0: Now God's people said, amen. The story of Naaman is found in 2 Kings chapter 5. And uh, earlier this week, as I was, you know, ruminating on the story, I really thought, I want to share this story with you because it's a story about healing. And because we've gone through so much conflict as a, as a country, we've gone so much, through so much conflict because of, of COVID, you know, it feels like, like we need a little, a little healing. It feels like we need a lot of healing. Um, but the more I've sat with the story and and prayed, pardon me, and prayed through it and meditated on it, um, there's another component to the story that I think is, is perhaps more prophetic, more, more, more poignant for today. And I really felt this morning uh, during the nine o'clock service, that the spirit of God was really just pressing on me, um, to say somebody, maybe everybody, um, you need to know that when God heals you, you don't have to pay. Um, and we'll get into a little more of what what I mean by that, and uh, but just I just want you to pay attention to that. When God heals you, however He heals you, socially, relationally, God heals you physically, man you don't have to pay. you don't have to pay money, you, you don't have to pay in regret, you don't have to pay in bitterness, you don't have to pay in tears when God heals you. You don't have to pay. Now, the story is really weird. I mean, it starts out, first of all, that that Naaman is a general of a foreign army, is a general to Syria's army. And if you know anything about um, this period of the world, Syria and Israel are not friends. I mean, it's not like today where they get along fantastically. Way back then, they did not like each other at all. And and multiple times, the nation of Syria had attacked the nation of Israel and, and, like, destroyed them. So you'd think because this is a book about God's chosen people, Israel, that God's enemies, or rather the enemy of God's chosen people, would also be God's enemies. But that's not how we're introduced to Naaman at all. In fact, we're told that he's a mighty man of valor, exemplary in war, and that God gave him victory over the Israelites because of their disobedience. So you get this, this strange collision of loyalties. That Naaman is somebody God likes, even though Naaman is set against the people of God. And Naaman does a bunch of bad stuff. Like, not only is murder bad, not only is aggressive warfare bad, but but he takes human captives as slaves after decimating and destroying their families. And in particular, he seems to have a, a preference for young girls. Now, I don't know about you and your particular moral code, but for me, that seems like really, really bad. I mean, come on. So this, this guy's not a hero. If anything, he seems like an anti-hero. He seems like a scoundrel, a villain, somebody we should not want to win. But one of the slaves that he takes says to him, look, I, I, I see that you're sick. It's true, I have leprosy. There's a man in Israel, a prophet by the name of Elisha, and he can cure you of your illness. Naaman goes to his king, the king of Syria, and he asks for permission to go to this foreign country that they've attacked multiple times, whose men they've murdered multiple times, whose daughters they've taken away into captivity multiple times. And he says, I would like to go and treat with the king of Israel to see about receiving healing. And Naaman's king says, absolutely, take all this gold, hundreds of pounds of gold, hundreds of pounds of silver, hundreds of pounds of spice, and take it with you to go to the king of Israel. And Naaman goes with all this treasure. And he approaches the king of Israel, who's not happy to see him. I mean, what a big surprise, right? And if you see a foreign military advisor, if you see a general coming to your door, and he's got all this stuff, you're you're not glad. In fact, the king of Israel thinks it's a trap. And you know, it's probably worth pointing out that there are just some things that cannot be bought. And if you try and buy them, you won't look generous. You'll look suspicious. Like if you fall in love with a young lady and you try and purchase her affections and then remind her of all that you've given her, don't you like those clothes I got you? Don't you like that dinner I took you out for? Don't you like that? She's not going to thank you for it she's gonna feel controlled she's gonna feel commodified she's gonna recoil because some things cannot be bought well that's what happens to the king of Israel king of Israel goes this is a trap all this stuff. you you think that I am God that I can offer life and death this is not something I can grant you and he starts to to quiver in fear that this is all a pretext for another invasion that Naaman's going to give him all this stuff, he won't be able to heal Naaman, and then Syria will come in and invade Israel one more time. Well, Elisha the prophet hears about this, and he says, king, chill out, roughly translated. Just cool, be cool. God will heal him. So Naaman is instructed to go to the home of Elisha the following day, and he appears. Hundreds of pounds of gold, hundred pounds of silver, all this treasure, big royal retinue, Naaman's servants, everybody. He's there. He's an important man. And Elisha, when he hears that he's outside, says to his servant, go tell him to bathe in the river seven times. And Naaman's insulted. Well, why? Because Elisha didn't even come out and talk to him. Elisha didn't look him in the face. Elisha, the prophet, didn't invite him into his home. He he was given no welcome, shown no hospitality, shown shown no respect. He was just dismissed. So he gets offended. He says, forget this. I'm out of here. And Naaman's servants stop him, and they say, wait a minute, wait a minute. If, If Elisha had told you to do something heroic, would you have done it? Of course. If he'd given you some impossible task... To perform would you have done it without question so so why when he tells you to go get in the river and bathe do you refuse Naaman says look at this river it's disgusting the Jordan River is dirty it's filthy why can't it be one of the beautiful rivers of Damascus why can't it be the clear flowing rivers of my home said, because we're not there we're here this is the land of Yahweh this is the prophet of Yahweh get in the river seven times. And so Naaman does. Now, this particular kind of bathing that he did was a, a ritual bath, similar to baptism. It's not exactly the same thing, but it's, it's close. So to go in and out seven times had some, you know, some rigmarole to it, some ritual. He would have had to get dressed, say prayer, say some kind of hymn, wade out into the water, say some other kind of prayer, go completely into the water, come completely out into the water, say some other kind of prayer, get out of the water, dry off. Put on all his clothes, and then go through the whole process, you know, six more times, and he does. And the scripture says that he's healed, such that his skin is like a newborn baby's. And Naaman, Naaman is, is overcome, and and he says to Elisha, "Let me pay you. Take all this treasure, I mean, the equivalent of millions of dollars. Let me pay you." And Elisha says, "Far be it from me." to accept payment for something that only God could provide. Go. Because when God heals you, you don't have to pay. Now, some of you have been healed spiritually. You know what it's like to feel far from God. You know what it's like to feel as though your relationship with God has been broken. I don't just mean in salvation. Yes, that, absolutely. But, but sometimes you do things as a Christian person, and you feel like your relationship with God is totally damaged. And you feel like the only way you can make it up to God is, is to pay for it okay, Lord, I'll pay for it. If they're going to hate me, I'll pay for it that way. If they're never going to speak to me again, okay, Lord, I'll pay for it that way. If it's going to cost me a, a, a bunch of money, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll pay for it that way. I'll, I'll donate to the church or I'll, I'll, you know, send some kids to camp or whatever, Lord, whatever the payment is, I'll pay it. No, you don't get it. Healing is not about your ability to compensate God. You don't have that power. You don't have that wealth. You don't even have the right currency. And furthermore, like Jesus said, it is your Father's delight to give you the kingdom. God wants to heal. He's a healer. You don't have to pay. But the thing is, is we we want to. I think maybe because if if we pay, if we pay for it, then then we we don't feel so bad, you know. I know I've done some bad stuff. Now that I've paid for it, I, I, I've resolved my debt and moved on. No, you haven't, actually. You know there are some things that you've done in your life that, that you just can't make up for. Man, I got a couple of them. I got some real regrets about the ways I've treated people, things I've said to people, the, the ways I've dismissed or cut people out of my life. I mean, I, you, just, you just can't... What, who, to whom do I write that check? How do I unbreak somebody's heart? How do I unviolate somebody's trust? I I don't have a way to pay for that. But if I could, it'd be great, because then I could move on and be scot free. And I was like, hey, whatever, 259 see you later. The truth is we, we want to be able to pay. Because then we know it's resolved. We know we resolved it. But you don't pay for God's healing. Now, what's so crazy is that as all this is happening, Naaman says, okay, well, you know, thank you. He goes on his merry way. But Elisha's servant hears all this. And the same guy who came out and told Naaman, hey, um, you know, go bathe in the river, hears that, that Naaman's going away. And he goes, wait a minute. He brought all this money. He wants to pay. I'm going to chase him down. So the servant chases Naaman down, and he says, "Uh, Elisha has some unforeseen expenses based on what just happened, so he's going to need a portion of what you brought. And Naaman, because he's so grateful, says, absolutely, take whatever you want. And the servant takes them and goes off to keep it for himself. Isn't that hilarious? That there are always some people who are going to make you pay. Maybe ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend, they want you to pay. Man, you know, sometimes it's preachers that want you to pay. Sometimes it's religious leaders. I mean, people like me, we get a microphone. Sometimes, you know, we want to tell you, hey, God's forgiven all your sins, except for the one or two you should still feel really bad about. So shame on us. Shame on me if we've ever done that. Sometimes your kids are going to want you to pay. Pay for the imperfections that you had as a parent. Pay for your failures in your own marriage or your own relationships. I mean, there's always going to be somebody who wants to take a pound of flesh from you. And and if you're focused on who you are and what you've done, you'll always let them. Because you know you're not perfect. You know this is your fault. You know you're the enemy of God from time to time. You know, in Naaman's case, that he was a murderer, that he was a plunderer, that he was a slave trader. He knows he's guilty, and so do you, and so do I. But the point is not that we would focus on ourselves. The point is that we would focus on the healer. On the generosity and the abundance of a good God who gives graciously to all who ask. Grace is not something you can earn. It's just something you can forgive, just something you can receive. And I think maybe today, there's people here in this room who are, who are being forced to pay for who they are and what they've done. And you need somebody to let you know it's not God that's making you pay. And I think maybe there's people here today that feel so bad about who they are and what they've done, they would gladly pay just to clear up their debt. I want you to know there's, there's no price you can pay because the price has already been paid on your behalf. Now, don't you worry about the people who want to pay, who want you to pay the price. Don't you worry about this, this servant. Eventually, Elisha catches up with him. Did you just extort money from the guy God healed? Well, yeah, you see, you know, wife and I were having a little conversation about how. <laughs> and Elisha curses him and says, The same illness that God just delivered from Naaman will be given to you and to your children. To God, eventually, will take care of the people who make you pay. They're not your responsibility. You just need to know, don't listen to them. Instead, you do what Naaman did. Naaman offers to pay. Elisha says no. So Naaman says, well, how about this instead? If I can't give you all this treasure, how about I take two giant boxes of earth from near the river and I take them home with me so that every morning and every night I can stand on the ground of God and pretend as though I'm in the land of God and I can worship my healer and give thanks to the God of all creation for what he's done in me. So that's what you're supposed to do. When you've been healed, you say thank you. When you've been restored, you say praise you. When God's given you a future when you had none, when God's given you clean skin, health, vitality, hope, when God's giving you anything, you say, thank you. Over and over and over again. See, this is really not so much a story of healing as it is a story of grace. It's a story about the fact that you can't pay for the things God gives you for free. And it gets more gracious because there's a funny little twist to it. It's the last thing I'll point out. Naaman asks for one small provision from Elisha the prophet. He says, I want this earth so I can worship God, so that God is the only God I ever worship. But sometimes I'm going to have to take my king, who's elderly, to the temple to worship his God. And because my king is fragile, I'm going to have to kneel down with him so that he can worship his God. But I want you to know when I kneel in front of his God, I'm not really kneeling and worshiping him. I'm just helping somebody I love. And Elisha says, no problem. Which is grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. Which Christian do you know that would be really excited about their Christian brother or sister attending a Buddhist worship festival, a Hindu worship festival, a mosque? Which, which Christian brother or sister do you know that would be really in favor of even the appearance of idolatry. But Elisha models grace, saying it's more important for you to support the people you love than to worry about accidentally breaking the rules. You know why? Because even if you break the rules, it's not like you incur a debt all over again. Your debt's been settled Because grace is not only free, it is abundant. Grace flows out of the heart of God all over you. For the things you've done wrong, for the things you're doing wrong, for the ways you were wrong, guess what? He's more right than you ever were wrong. And when you focus on the healer, when you focus on the gracious God of heaven, you realize you don't have to pay. You just have to receive And say thank you. Amen. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You have been more gracious and more generous to us than we could ever fully comprehend or understand or certainly deserve. You forgive our sins, you forgive our trespasses, you forgive our debts, you forgive our wrongs, you forgive our missteps, you forgive the times we have disobeyed you deliberately, on purpose, consistently, and persistently. Lord, your grace is sufficient. We say it again, your grace is sufficient. And we pray, Lord, for everybody here who feels like they're trying to measure up. Lord, that you'd speak peace into their spirit. For everybody here that just feels like they got to keep paying and paying and paying for the sins you have already satisfied. Lord, we pray that you just speak peace into their spirit. For everybody here who's got somebody whispering in their ear that they owe, that they'll never get out of debt, that they'll never get out of trouble, that they'll never be forgiven. Lord, we pray that you shut those people up and give your children holy boldness confidence, not in our own righteousness, but confidence in your grace and love. These things we pray in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus. Amen.